Good morning, everybody. Let's worship, shall we? Would you stand and sing with us? And one, two, three, four, and... Lift your name on high, Lord, I love to sing your praises, I'm so glad you're in my life, I'm so glad you came to save us, you came from heaven to earth to show the way, from the earth to the cross, my debt to pay, from the cross to the grave. From the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven. To show the way from the earth to the cross, my debt to pay. From the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on. You came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross, my debt to pay. From the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. From the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on high. Please be seated. And good morning, everyone, and good morning especially to you folks that are outside. We're so happy to see each one of you. This is the final Sunday of September, and the first Sunday of fall, and you know what that means. It's pumpkin time! <laughs> the first load of pumpkins are scheduled to arrive Saturday, that's this coming Saturday, at 9 a.m., and all help is most appreciated. If you know of anyone who is in need of volunteer hours, please be sure to let them know. If you've not signed up to help, work at the pumpkin patch, please consider doing so. There's a, a table out front where you can check the schedule and find something that works for both of us. Our communion offering next week will benefit the World Communion Sunday Scholarships. And a quick reminder that we have a confidential group on Facebook for prayer concerns. And it's only seen by members of the group. It's not open to the world. And it's a great way, if you have prayer concerns during the week, to post it. And, you know, people get uh, reminders that something's been posted. And you know that somebody is praying for your situation. And one process change. We're not going to ask you to reserve your seats online anymore. You need to call the church or send Josie an email at josie at hhumc.com. The first scripture reading today comes from Exodus 17, verses 1 through 7. From the wilderness of sin, 
the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? The word of God for the people of God. Will you join me in a prayer, please? Merciful God, we praise and love you. We gather this morning to tell of your love and your goodness. We thank you for all things, but we especially thank you for the freedom to gather and worship you. Lord, let us never forget what a blessing this is or those who are not allowed to do the same. Guide us with your Holy Spirit that we might have the mind of Christ who emptied himself and took the form of a servant. Teach us to be humble. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What holds your heart? What stirs your soul? What matters come to mind? The cares you keep, the thoughts you think, it's not all wasted time. Seek and you will find, joy still comes in the morning, hope still walks with the hurting, if you're still alive and breathing, praise the Lord. Don't stop dancing and dreaming, there's still good news worth repeating, so lift your head and keep singing. years roll by, we wonder why we lost our way from home. The father finds the child inside, 
we left for growing old. Awake, awake, awake my soul. Joy still comes in the morning. Hope still walks with the hurting. If you're still alive and breathing, Still good news worth repeating So lift your head and keep singing Praise the Lord Let everything, let everything Let everything praise the Lord In the working, in the waiting Let it praise the Lord In the blessing, in the breaking Come on, praise the Lord In the dying, the rising Let it praise the Lord Let it praise the Lord Praise the Lord Joy still comes in the morning Hope still walks with the hurting. If you're still alive and breathing, praise the Lord. Don't stop dancing and dreaming. There's still good news worth repeating. So lift your head and keep singing. Praise the Lord. Joy still comes in the morning. Hope still walks with the hurting. If you're still alive and breathing, praise the Lord. Don't stop dancing and dreaming. There's still good news worth repeating. So lift your head and keep singing. Good morning. I'll start our, our rainbows and rattlesnakes with the rainbow that it is to see all of you here on this beautiful fall morning. Praise the Lord. I want to uh, uh, do something a little bit different this morning. If, because of the importance of it, or the, I believe the importance of it, at, at, at sundown, uh, we begin the Day of Atonement, okay, today, Yom Kippur. And it's, uh, it's a day that we are supposed to remember, and a day that we are supposed to remember and consider our lives and what God has done for us, and where we have fallen short of doing what we should do as followers of Jesus and in proclaiming the kingdom of God here in the world. So I just, uh, there are a few verses out of Leviticus chapter 23 that I'm going to read. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, now the tenth day of the seventh month is the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you. 
you shall deny yourselves and present the Lord's offering by fire. And you shall do no work during that entire day, for it is a day of atonement, to make atonement on your behalf before the Lord your God. This is the only place in Scripture where God tells us to specifically fast. There are many places that tell us to fast. And one of the things that I am charged with as a pastor when I was ordained was to, I I am to regularly fast, and I'm also to remind my congregation that they are to regularly fast. So consider yourself reminded, and for those of you who would care to, I invite you to join me in fasting from sundown this evening until of sundown tomorrow evening. Anyway, that's my rainbow uh, because uh, it tells us that that's an ordinance forever. Let's pray. Gracious and merciful God, we thank you for everything that you bless us with. Lord, I ask that you would remind us with your Holy Spirit that we're not unique. There have been things going on throughout the history of man that have disrupted lives and caused people to change the ways they were doing things. And we thank you for that. We thank you for change and the opportunity to use our minds and our resources in new ways. Lord, we lift up all of those who need healing in their bodies, their minds, or their souls. We lift up those anywhere who need the basic necessities of life. Show each of us what we can do to alleviate suffering and to make your kingdom known to all. Lord, we lift up the leaders of this country and all the countries of the world. We ask that you would guide them, that they would seek and follow your will. Lord, we ask that you'd open our ears, our hearts, our understanding, as your word is proclaimed this morning, that we might be salt and light to this generation, that we might exhibit the body of Christ that we're called to exhibit. And now we pray as Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So, did you all enjoy history? I enjoyed history when I was in school. And some of you, I know some of you do, and some of you probably, eh, 
you know, I don't think that much about it. But uh, anyway, I'm going to talk a little bit about history as a, as a setup for, for what we're doing, uh, for what we're reading today. We're reading today from Paul's letter to the Philippians, okay? And uh, the Philippi, Philippi was a Roman colony city in Macedonia, a.k.a. Greece, right? Uh, Philipp, Philippi was named for Philip of Mastodon, right? And, of course, Philip of Mastodon uh, had one leg smaller than the other, and he was the father of Alexander the Great, right? So, anyway, anyway. So, I'm driving back from... What's this all got to do with anything? I'm driving back from Houston yesterday. I'm, you know, I'm driving down our... our I guess I wasn't driving down it. I was driving across I-10. Uh, it's, you know, since it's one of them... Since the ones that end in zeros go east and west, right? And the ones that end in fives go north and south. Uh, and so, I'm, I'm traversing part of the continent coming from Houston back to San Antonio, and I'm thinking about my sermon today and other things, and I'm thinking about the text, and one of the things I thought about was, and I've mentioned this before, but what a great spiritual discipline driving on the highway is, you know? I mean, it, 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 I, I'm, it's, we can laugh about it, and, we, and, and laughing's good. You know, laughter's the best medicine. But it, it, it really and truly is. If you really ask yourself, you know, the next time you want to, I don't know, whatever you want to do, depending upon the situation, you know, if you really did say, you know, how would Jesus drive, you know? Really. I mean, th think about it. In, 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 in all earnestness, how would Jesus drive, you know? Uh, and I have some ideas. In fact, I've thought about writing a book, How Would Jesus Drive, you know? And, uh, and I, may, I may do that. I may do that. I don't know. I don't know if it'd be a bestseller or not, but it might be. You know, but, uh, you know, it would, you know, Jesus would not drive in the left-hand lane below the speed limit forever. Jesus would know that the left-hand lane is for passing only, right? You know? Uh, any, anyway, Jesus would do a lot of things, I think, if Jesus were driving. You know, Jesus would let people in. If, if somebody wanted to come in, you know, really. I mean, think about it. And I, and I think our scripture reading this morning, what's this got to do with Rome? Rome, I mean, you think about it today. One of the, one of the best things we still have in this country, which is, is better than the majority of countries in the world, is our interstate highway system, right? I mean, when you think about it, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. If you want to, you can get in the car, and I know some of you do. You know, you can get in the car and, and uh, drive to Arizona, drive to California in a relatively short amount of time, you know, when, when you think about it. Uh, well, Rome, one of the things that Rome did was they, had a, they established a great system of roads because roads are conducive to commerce and communication, and they're very, very important. And that's, and, and that's one of the things that the Romans did. Uh, so, 
As I said, our scripture reading this morning comes from Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. I'll be reading, actually I'm going to read a couple of verses out of the first chapter that aren't actually part of today's electionary reading, but I believe they're apropos. Um, uh, so I'll read a couple of, couple of verses. Philippians chapter 1 verse 3 says, I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. And then chapter 1 verse 27 says, only live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent and hear about you, I will know that you are standing firm in one spirit striving side by side with one mind for the faith of the gospel and are in no way intimidated by your opponents. In today's actual reading, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, consider the word of the Lord. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy. Make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of the Father. 
Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, God who desires that none should perish, but all should come to a knowledge of the grace and fullness that is available through your Son. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our salvation. We're not sure what jail Paul was in. Many biblical scholars think he was in jail in Rome, but that's not firmly established. But what we do know was Paul was locked up when he wrote the letter to the Philippians. And it's amazing. It's amazing because as, as, as the uh, verse there I read in chapter 1, he talks about how joyful he is, right? He's in prison and he's, in, he's joyful. And in other places he says, you know, I've learned how to be happy regardless of what's going on. John Wesley said the book of Philippians, uh, in, in the book of Philippians, Paul showed Christians how to be happy and holy, I thought that was a pretty, pretty nice, succinct uh, summary of the book of Philippians. But anyway, a little bit about Philippi and the culture that was present there to the people that Paul was writing to. Uh, again, talking about history and talking about Rome, y'all all remember what happened on the 15th of March, 44 B.C., right? Caesar died in a rented toga, all right? as the expression goes, uh, that was, uh, you know, that's where we get the expression, beware the Ides of March, right? So, uh, in 44 B.C., uh, a group of senators who didn't like the current regime uh, plotted, and uh, Cassius and Brutus met, uh, met good old Julius there on the, on the steps of going in and, uh, and killed him, right? Stabbed him. And you, Brutus, right? For all of you that read your Shakespeare in, in uh, high school literature, um, et tu, Brute. But, uh, and Rome went into a civil war, right? The Roman Empire went into a civil war. Well, a couple of years later, in the year 42, at Philippi, there was a big battle, and the forces that were against Julius Caesar, who had, who had assassinated him, led by Cassius and Brutus, were defeated by the forces that were loyal to the, the past Caesar, and they were led by Mark Antony, right? For those of you who... Uh, you know, read George Bernard Shaw, you read Anthony and Cleopatra, right? They didn't, uh, they didn't put that one in English literature. Uh, 
in high school, but uh, led by Mark Anthony and Octavius and Lepitus, these three senators. And uh, to reward the triumphant soldiers, much of the land around Philippi was split up and given to them. So Philippi got a very, very strong Roman influence. Ten years later, they're still fighting among themselves. Imagine that. Imagine that. They're still fighting among themselves. And around Philippi, again, Octavius' forces, which, by the way, remember, Octavius was a nephew of Julius Caesar, who, who later took the name of Augustus Caesar. Octavius defeated Mark Antony and Cleopatra's forces. She, you know, she was the queen of Egypt down there, of, around Philippi. Again, more Roman military folks were given land around Philippi. And then a few years after that, now Caesar Augustus made Philippi a full Roman colony. So if you lived in Philippi, it was just like you lived in Sicily or any place else in Italy, which was of the Roman Empire proper. So the people that got converted in Philippi come from this very structured, very Roman, very concerned about their status background, which is one of the things that's so interesting about what Paul writes here. He's writing again to the church, and who's the church? Don't tell me we're the church, but we are the church. I mean, I was going to say, that's not, that's not, that's not, <laughs> the church, of course, is the body of Christ. They are the followers of Jesus, you know, again, the followers of Jesus. Again, I like to remind us, the word Christian only appears in the New Testament three times. Followers of Jesus appears a lot. And uh, we, we've tended, we tend these days to muddle the two, you know, of... Some people call themselves Christians, but they're not following Jesus very closely, uh, in my opinion. But uh, anyway, so here's what Paul tells us to do. He tells the people at Philippi to do, and it is apropos and applies, certainly applies to us to be happy and holy, okay? And it's real simple, really. I mean, uh, most, things, most things are. Uh, when we get right down to it. He says, first, you know, be in unity. Be in unity. Be of one mind, right? Again, if we're the body of Christ, I can't have, I can't have my body simultaneously sitting on a pew over there and standing here. My whole body works together in unity. We have the same mind. And that mind should be the mind of following Jesus and making and doing what he did, making announcing the kingdom of God and telling everybody that the kingdom of God is at hand. It's right here, right now, for all of us to take part in. 
James 1.8 says what? It says a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. And again, think about it. Think about any goal you've ever accomplished in your life. And I believe at some point in that goal, whatever it was, whether it was learning how to uh, play the organ or drive a car or pole vault or whatever it might have been, you set a goal and you did certain things. Our goal, our purpose as the body of Christ, as the church in the world today, is to make more followers of Jesus. And the truth of the matter is, we're not doing a very good job. Uh, we're not doing, I, I don't think we're doing a very good job both in this congregation and as the, as the church at large in the world. I mean, if we're, we need to be honest among ourselves. I think Jesus was honest. I think one thing followers of Jesus do is they're honest. Uh, Shazam. But, uh, but we need to be of the same mind. And that mind should be making followers of Jesus. And then Paul says what? We need to be humble. We need to be humble. Boy, there's the rub. And again, that's where Paul was really, you know, going out on a limb to the people he was writing in Philippi. Military leaders, people who conquered places and all that, generally aren't humble people. And uh, Philippi was, you can, you can read the history of it. Philippi was not a humble society by any stretch of the imagination. But Paul says, just look. Here's Jesus who in Colossians, right? Colossians tells us that everything we see was made through Jesus and by Jesus. But what did he do? He became just like us a garden variety human being. He didn't flaunt anything, you know. He's the king of the universe. And he comes down here and dies on a cross. Wow. It's pretty humble. Pretty humble. And he says, how do you do this? He says, you have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ, okay? And this, I believe, is a, this is a, a never-ending goal for all of us who are followers of Jesus. Because I've yet to find anybody. I'm, uh, you know, I consider myself often, like John Wesley used to say, one of John Wesley's favorite terms about himself was, he said he was almost a Christian. Right? You know, and I find myself a lot of times being an almost Christian. You know, especially when I'm on I-10 on Saturday morning. Of uh, you know, of uh, I can I can find myself being an almost Christian. Of, uh, but how do you have the mind of Christ? First off, first off, what is the mind? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, it's not just your brain. You know, uh, it's not just your brain, but. Here's, here's what I consider a simple definition of the mind. The mind is what that which makes, manipulates, and maintains 
thoughts and feelings. That's what our mind does. That's what our minds do. So the trick, Paul says, is if you want to be happy and holy, is to have the mind of Christ. Who, by the way, demonstrated that if you want to be fully human, we believe Jesus was fully human and fully divine. If you want to be fully human, one of the things you have to do is you have to be humble. It's okay. Okay. All this is great and good, right? And, and, I, and I think all of us want to see the kingdom of God revealed to everybody. You know, we don't want to see people starving to death. We don't want to see people killing each other. You know, we don't want to see people with road rage, you know. Of none of these things are present in the kingdom of heaven. We don't want to pe- see people dying of incurable diseases, right? Nobody's, you know, there's nobody sick and dying in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, they're okay. So how, you know, so this is all well and good to think about, you know. But again, the trick isn't head knowledge. We have to have a relationship with Jesus. We have to know Jesus, right? I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example here. Let's say, just for the sake of discussion, and this is, this is just an example. I have not done this. Let's just say that in all my spare time for the last 10 years, I've been reading everything there was to know about heart surgery. And I've even been watching heart surgery videos on YouTube, right? And if you ask me any sort of question about the anatomy of the heart or heart surgery, whatever, you know, I know the answer. You can't stump me. I've got it, okay? And you go to the doctor tomorrow, and the doctor says you need a triple bypass. Are you going to let me do it? No, you're not going to let me do it. I don't have any experience doing heart surgery, uh, nor do I care for any. But, 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 but the point is, the point is, listen, this is so important. You can know everything there is to know about Jesus and not know Jesus. Okay? You can know all the facts in the world. You can have all the head knowledge in the world. But unless it's actually in practice, it's not worth anything. So how do we do that, you know? Part of my job is to help all of us better do that. And I spend, I mean, I spend much time thinking about this. Why is it that the world is in the state that it's in and that the church has been so anemic in doing anything about it? And, and, and sometimes so silent, as far as I'm concerned, so silent in doing anything about it, you know? We don't want to offend anybody, you know, or upset anybody, right? Uh, you know, as Paul says later there in Galatians, have I become your, in, in Galatians, not, we're in Philippians, or earlier I should say, Galatians in the canon comes before Philippians. As Paul says in Galatians, have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth, Right? Because I speak the truth. So here's what I think. I, 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 I try to be helpful. Here's, here, here's what I think and, and, and what I ask all of you to do. I ask all of you to do to be better disciples. The first thing, the first thing you have to do is you have to immerse yourself. Baptize yourself 
in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the way you really do that, I'm not talking about getting wet. I'm talking about knowing what Jesus would do. You know, we, we talk from time to time, and we've heard from time to time, you know, and, and I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, whatever the fad was, you know, everybody's wearing these what would Jesus do bracelets, right? Which is really not, it's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea if it just got implemented, if it really got implemented. So how do you know what, would Je- what Jesus would do? Well, you do have to study Jesus, and you do need to know. You do have to have a certain amount of head knowledge. And the best place we can do that is in the Gospels. That's where we read what Jesus actually did. So, again, I was thinking about this, and I said, well, what can all of us do to really better get an idea? What would Jesus do in a certain situation? Well, we can see what he did in certain situations. Now, granted, we can't, we can't see every situation that's ever going to occur in our life, but there's a pattern there. There's an there, there's a, there's a overriding philosophy and a pattern in the way things work. And again, we see that in the Gospels. So here's an idea I've come up with. You can, you can, you can join me in it or not. Uh, there are four Gospels that we accept as Gospels. Of, and you know what? It's just about the first of a quarter. It's just about the first of a quarter. So I'm proposing that we spend this next quarter talking about Matthew or studying Matthew, studying the Gospel of Matthew. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask that you read starting October 1, you know, you don't even have to do it today, you know, as you know, you know, you know, procrastinate later. That's what I always say. But, uh, you know, you can, you can start on October the 1st, start studying Matthew. If you want to read the book of Matthew once a week for the next quarter, that'd be great. If you want to read it once a month for the next quarter, That'd be great too. If you only read it once in the next quarter, that'd be good. If you want to know what Jesus would do, then you need to know what Jesus did. Pure and simple. You need to know what Jesus did. Okay? The other thing I invite you to do is talk to Jesus. Talk to Him. If you're going to, when you're, you know, when you get in the car in the morning, consider Jesus getting in the car with you. When you go someplace, consider Jesus being right there with you. I mean, how would you really act differently in some situations if you thought Jesus was right here? If you really thought Jesus was right here? Talk to Jesus about what you're going to do. And if you do those things, you start, I believe, to get an inkling of the mind of Jesus. You see, here's where the, the, the problem is what we think, regardless of anything else. The problem is what we think. And this is the, and this is the primary place that Satan works on each and every one of us. Think about it. 
in the garden. Let's just go back there. That's the classic example, the fall and all that. The serpent didn't run up and bite Eve on the, on the ankle and then while she was writhing in pain say, listen, you be, if, if, if you don't want me to bite you again, you better eat that fruit. No. The serpent came and planted a thought in her mind. The thought being that you can be just like God. So, if you want the mind of Christ, then start looking at what Jesus actually did. And again, we do that by studying the life of Jesus, really studying the life of Jesus, and then really feeling like Jesus is with us. If we have the mind of Christ, everything else is going to fall into place. Amen? Now go in peace and start today doing something that makes your mind the mind of Christ. And as you do it, do it with the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Amen.